Brendan, what's up? Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well today. Doing well. We uh, it's been raining the last couple days here in the Triangle, and it is a beautiful, beautiful sunny day right now. Yeah, perfect day to be inside and record a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm 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 getting out for a lot of the day after this. So getting it in in the morning and then getting my my vitamin D time out after this. Oh yeah, same here. Yeah, it's been pouring like every day. I have not been a fan. Well, I don't know about you, but I think uh, growing up in California, I've just been so spoiled with weather, and weather like actually has a pretty decent effect on me. Yeah, so you know the the gray clouds and rain and everything is. Not been uh, my uh, cup of tea, so to speak. I get that. I get that. You're just used to sunshine, sunshine, seventy five all day, every day. <laughs> well, I was until I, you know, joined the army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's just heat and humidity because we like to live in the southeast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We like to live wherever the land is cheap and the weather is uh, less than ideal. So, kind of the for everyone listening, like the, the, Brent and I got together today and we wanted to talk about our MBA process and like the everything from thinking about it to then going through the application process. And, you know, now that we're kind of built at a point where we're decided on our schools and like, we know where we're going. And at this point, it's just, you know, moving to campus and getting started. Uh, we wanted to like share our experiences with, with people about what that process looks like uh, just because there's a ton of information out there and it just kind of helps to be able to talk with someone about it. So my first kind of question, man, is like, when did, when did getting an MBA first come up on your radar as a possibility? You know, if, I, if I'm going to be completely honest, both my parents went to business school. They actually met at business school. Oh, so yeah. all kind of growing up, it was just, you know, a part of our lives. We'd be like, oh, here's blah, blah, blah. Here's my section mate at whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's always like, okay, that might be something I want to do one day. I've always been into business. In high school, I decided I'm going to join the military. In college, I did ROTC and signed the contract. Uh, so it was like, you know, business might be something I want to do one day, and business school would probably be a good way to get there. But it was never, it was never for certain. It was just kind of like a maybe. And then that summer between graduating college and commissioning and going to Bullock, uh, I took the GMAT. And even then, you know, even though I spent hours, hundreds, probably at least a hundred hours studying for the GMAT, it was still very much, you know, this is something I might do. This is just an option. And it didn't, didn't really, it wasn't until I was deployed and kind of at the two and a half, three year mark of my contract and thinking, okay, like, what am I going to do now? Like, what am I, I'm like 24, 25, I should probably figure out what I want to do with my life. Um, and that's really kind of when it all came into the picture. Interesting. Okay. So one that's, that's awesome on your parents and like that's a huge, uh, huge like attractor to like anyone who's thinking about going to business school. They're like, Hey, like here's a, you know, here, here's a couple that, that met while they're there and they're like still talking about their section mates with their kids and everything. That, that's a cool story. It's really incredible. Um, just how powerful those relationships are. I mean, think about it. I think business school is kind of like, it's kind of like undergrad, except everyone's a little older. Everyone's a little more mature. Everybody kind of knows what they're trying to do and and has committed to being, you know, pretty professionally oriented. Um, And business school is two years to let your hair down and have fun and try new things and not take anything too seriously. So the connections, like the interpersonal connections you can make during that time are just so unlike anything else you can really do in your uh, adult life, you know, in, in such a concentrated um, experience. Yeah. I'm also blown away by the fact that you did the GMAT that early. And especially when you weren't 100% dead set on going to business school, because that, I mean, that's a significant emotional event, like studying for that and taking the test and everything. So Props on you, man, for sticking it out and like doing it like that. Yeah, it was really more just dumb luck. I think uh, it it just I guess this, maybe this is meant to be or something because uh, I was actually I was supposed to go to Bullock uh, in June, graduate in May, go to Bullock in June, but mm-hmm. I had a back injury, so um, I told the army like, look, uh, I'm not going in, and they didn't know about the back injury, and I didn't want them to med board me. 
because uh, yeah. I had almost gotten med boarded for a, another thing <laughs> in college. Uh, so check it out. Uh, I can't really tell you why, but I I'm not going to go in June. And they were like, okay, uh, well, you're going to be needs of the army. You're not going to, I, I think I was supposed to go to Germany. And they're like, well, you're not going to Germany anymore. You're going to go wherever we need you. Um, and we don't know when you're going to go to Bullock. And I was like, I, I don't really have a choice here. So fine. Um, and then I was figuring out, okay, how do I fill this time? Like, what am I going to do? Um, and other than you kind of do the back rehab thing. Um, and I just looked it up one day and I saw the GMAT was good for five years. And I was like, life hack here we go <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool yeah I, I wish that i had like the wherewithal to have things planned out like that like when i decided that i wanted to get out i was like oh, okay i'm getting out i have the gi bill i have no idea what i want to do but you know with it i should probably go get a graduate degree of some type i don't like science or medicine or anything so like there goes all that i don't want to be a lawyer so there goes that uh, I don't want to give you like a researcher of some type. So there goes a lot of other programs and they like whittled it down and it was like, all right, business school. This seems like the the way to go. That was just kind of like how I decided on, on doing it. I'm not saying it's the right way, but I think a lot of vets probably have a similar type methodology to kind of get to that conclusion. Oh yeah. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds pretty rational to me, you know, just process of elimination. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like all it is. And uh, yeah, that, that was kind of how I, I personally decided on, on school. So like, you know, once you made the decision, all right, I'm going to go get my MBA. Where did you start in thinking about applying to schools? Like how did you kind of come up with like your, your criteria for where you were going to look and apply towards? That's a great question. And honestly, I think kind of what's behind this question is a big reason why I want to do the whole, why I'm doing the whole YouTube thing and, and talking about my story and everything, because I didn't have a methodology and I think more so I didn't have really people to lean to, to ask for advice or anything. Nobody in my unit had really gone to business school or was applying to business school or even thinking about it. Uh, nobody in kind of my military network had, had any experience with that. Um, and so I, it led me to make some dumb decisions. So if I'm going to be completely honest, uh, round yeah. one applications, I literally was just like, what are... What I Googled, you know, top business schools in the world. And I looked at a few lists and it looked like Harvard and Stanford uh, were generally up either in the top three. Uh, so I was like, all right, Harvard and Stanford, let's, let's do it. And uh, it didn't work out for me. It did, did not work out at all. You know, it's good that you say that, man, because I'm sure that a lot of other people are going to do that exact same thing of, like, especially with Business school is such a fucking thing sometimes, you know, there's so much information out there about it. There's all these rankings and like, I mean, I, I'm, there's all kinds of blogs and everything where it's like, I know I'm not, you know, helping to, to mitigate by any means with what I put out, but there's just so much stuff out there about applying to business school that I think it's very easy to get into just like, you know what, I'm going to throw all this information out or this isn't necessarily what you did, but like, I'm just going to focus on the rankings because like, looks like someone has already kind of done the work for me and I'm just going to kind of go down that path. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which, uh, for anybody listening out there, it's not, it's not the way to do it. it. It really isn't. I mean, yeah, look, I'm going to be honest. Business school rankings, are they important? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's business school. You know what I mean? This is not, I don't know, nonprofit education or whatever. People yeah. care about rankings. Tier lists matter. Okay, cool. Um, but just applying based off of oh, just applying based off of the rank and not giving any thought to okay, what are the programs these schools have? What about the geography? What about the class size? What about the million other things that go into being in business school? Is uh, just the wrong answer. And I think more importantly, if you're only applying based off of rank, it's going to show in your application, and you're not gonna get in. So you need to have more meaningful reasons and do some legitimate research. Um, and then you could do it. Like I have no idea if I could get into Harvard and Stanford. I have no clue. I didn't get an interview round one. Didn't, didn't even get an interview. I, I, I have no idea if, you know, if I took the methodology and all the work and all the practice and all the research that I did in round two, when I got serious about it and got in everywhere, like, I don't know if I did that round one, if I would get in and I don't think it's worth it, honestly. And looking at all the schools now 
after all that research, I really think I got into the school that is best for me. So uh, long story short, do your homework, kids. Yeah, no, that's that's totally true. It's, it's very easy. An example, right? So uh, Columbia Business School is usually in like some, it, it's always in the top 10 to either around like seven, eight, something like that, right? And then Tuck Business School, which is I don't know, also usually in the top 10, all right? So you could easily look at both of those schools and say, okay, these are both top 10 programs. They got to be exactly the same. And you could not be like more different than the two of those, right? Tuck is in the middle of nowhere. It has a really small class compared to Columbia, which is in middle of New York City and has like 900 people in their class. It's two polar opposite MBA experiences that if you're only looking at the rankings and it's like the only thing you care about, you could be getting like the, the experience that's not right for you when you go to school. Yeah. And in the long run, I mean, you're paying, well, maybe not if you have the GI bill, but for a lot of people, you're paying like a quarter million dollars to go to these schools. I mean, it's worth a little due diligence and a little, you know, uh, thinking ahead on the front end uh, before you go somewhere and have, you know, I think you could go to pretty much any business school and have a good experience. I, I don't think that's hard. I think uh, business school is built a lot around the experience. But if if you're going to pay a quarter million dollars or even just, you know, the opportunity cost of two years of your life, yeah. uh, I, I think you really want to maximize that. Yeah, absolutely. So like when I started my own process of starting to evaluate schools and everything, I was like, I went way too overboard in my, I went, went the opposite direction of you, went like way too down the rabbit hole of like, I had this elaborate spreadsheet built out of all these schools and like all the different things that mattered to me and like how I was weighting each aspect of this. And it was just, it was getting too complicated. And so I was doing that for maybe, I don't know, two months or something. And then I kind of took a couple of weeks off from like thinking about applications, came back and was like, you know what, what, what is really important to me? Like, what are the things that I really care about? Okay. One, you know, I'm planning to try and start a company while I'm at school. And so I really want to put an emphasis on graduating with little to no debt. And, you know, knowing that I have the GI Bill, um, I was like, okay, then I should probably prioritize public schools. So like that's where, so all my applications, I applied to Texas, Darden, uh, and Haas. I didn't apply to Ross because I didn't feel like living in Michigan. That was really it. So emphasis on, on public schools. And then also threw one into Stanford because I was like, you know what, it's, it's Stanford and I'm going to, I'm going to shoot my shot and just see what happens. All right. And then also threw one into Yale. That was kind of a last minute decision. My, uh, one of my platoon leader buddies is there right now actually. And this is all anecdotal, but you know, when he, he and I were talking about the process and when Yale called him to accept him, they were like, your vet, our job is to make sure you don't pay for school. And I've heard some other anecdotal kind of stories uh, like that, specifically with with Tuck and Cornell. But it's kind of hard to figure out like what the numbers actually say. So I put emphasis on public schools that I knew my GI Bill would fill. Next, I was like, I want to live somewhere cool. You know, I've lived in Columbus, Georgia and Fayetteville, North Carolina for my, my 20s. Like, I want to go live somewhere cool. Um, I didn't want to go to a big city. So they kind of ruled out places like Stern or Columbia. Yeah, like I want to live somewhere cool. I also didn't want to have a big class. So, you know, like HBS has like 900 people in there. That that wasn't for me. I was kind of looking for a smaller class. And then my last priority was, you know, I want to be somewhere that's supportive to entrepreneurship. And that's that's a hard thing to measure and figure out when you're looking at business schools. Um, but in the schools that I applied to, they all kind of met that criteria of what I was looking for. Yeah, it sounds like you had a much more measured approach especially uh you know the first time around which is uh awesome and i think you know that'll pay huge dividends i mean especially where you got in and where you're going i mean it sounds to me like it really hits all the uh checks all the boxes for you so i applied to darden early action so there's a there's a couple of programs out there i know columbia has an option uh i can't remember other schools off the top of my head but i know that darden has a early action program. I think Fuqua does too, excuse me, where if you apply the early round that signals to the school that like, you know, this is my top choice. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and do this Darden. If I get in there, awesome. 
And if I can increase my odds of getting in there by applying early action, then I'm going to do that. And at most, you know, I lose a, you know, if I end up deciding on another school down the road, then at most, you know, I lose a little bit of a deposit, which in the long run kind of bounces out if it sends me to the right school. Does that make sense? So, oh, I think it more yeah. than balances out. Yeah. 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 That was the way I looked at it. And so I applied to Darden early action, which was great. And then I got in, I got in there in like October, um, which took a just huge amount of stress off me throughout the rest of the process. Cause I was like, okay, wherever else I apply to, I mean, awesome. If I get in cool, but if nothing else, like I've already gotten in here to start off. No, I think that's uh Definitely a smart way to go because I know it was probably about October when I heard back from Harvard and Stanford about, you know, not getting an interview. And I was like, oh, my God, like, have I I think I I have totally misjudged this. I like what am I? It was a great wake up call. Let's just put it that way. But it was also, you know, put some stress on there, especially there's just so much unknown now. Like, okay, I, I couldn't even get an interview at these schools. I thought I was really competitive. Like my GMAT score is above the average and, you know, yeah. I'm a military applicant, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so the whole next three months I was doing my other applications, there's always just that little bit of unknown. Like, is, is this what they're looking for? Am I playing the game the right way? Like, what if I don't get an interview again? Like, all of these, am I not cut out for business school? It was definitely um, added a little bit more stress, which you know you could argue is good or bad because I think it gave me that little extra drive. Like, okay, I'm gonna do another edit of this essay. I'm gonna do a little more research tonight before I go to bed. Versus, you know, if I had a, a fallback already. Um, but you know, not having uh, that stress would would have been pretty nice. <laughs> I know. You kind of talked about how your your strategy for round one. What, how did that change for round two when you applied to a bunch of other schools? Yeah, so for round two, it was much more. It was much more measured. You know, I still looked at rankings and was like, okay, uh, let me work kind of top to bottom because you know ranking was something that was a criteria for me. Matter, um, yeah. but but then it was also looking more to the schools. Like, okay, what are these schools about? Um, like initially I was, I was going to apply to Booth cause you know, I was like, Oh, this is Booth. It's a great school, blah, blah. Yeah. I looked into it more and it's much more, uh, quant and consultant heavy. Wow. And I, that's just not for me. Uh, and, and it was in looking at Chicago more and where in Chicago it was and everything. I was like, you know what? This just, this just doesn't feel like a fit. Uh, whereas, you know, looking at other schools, I, I didn't like Northwestern initially, I I wasn't even going to apply to Northwestern. I was like, "Mm, I don't think so. But like looking into the school more, seeing the culture, um, and just how strong that student body is, uh, that turned out to be a huge factor for me in, in my applications. I, when I reflected on, you know, what am I looking for? Um, one of, if not the biggest factors was, is this a school where, you go to school for two years and then, you know, you can call anybody who is an alumni there and they'll probably pick up the phone. Or is it a school where you are legitimately, you know, where the whole experience is curated to um, build those, you know, strong friendships that last a lifetime. And that's why they pick up the phone kind of thing. And so, you know, schools like Northwestern, Wharton, uh, that's, those were big drivers uh, behind why I applied there. And then, digging into the schools more, it just became obvious. Like for me too, uh, entrepreneurship was, you know, something I was interested in for me too. I wanted to uh, live in more of like a city, you know, because in the army I've been in Lawton and in, in Fayetteville and on, um, great. It's an awesome place to live. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so awesome. You can live there the rest of your life. You, you go for it. So no, I, I just, I definitely had more thought out criteria. Uh, still, honestly, not as thought out as you were. Like, honestly, kudos to you. But just more thought out, and it, it gave me a good starting point for when I looked into the schools. Like, okay, what am I really looking into? Yeah. Oh, oh, there's this awesome class by this awesome professor. Like, that's that's sweet. Like, I definitely want to take that. Oh, oh, and I could put this in my essay. Awesome. Oh, there's this sick trip. Like, yeah, absolutely. I could totally see myself doing that. Uh, so it just made it made the whole process much much easier. It's like it sounds counterintuitive, but like the more you dig into it, the more work you put into it, 
the easier the decision becomes because you start realizing like what's important and what places have that and don't have that. And so you can start like weeding places out and then like putting down your list to like, Oh, well, you know what, with the criteria that I think that I want, it's really only these couple of schools, you know, especially as a military applicant, I think, because the more I looked into the school, it was really a a whole process of like, what is important to me? Like, what do I want to do when I grow up kind of thing? So the more I looked into the schools, the more I did just reflection on kind of what I'm interested in and and what I want to do for the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. And it just, it helped really with the narrative. And I, looking back on the whole process, I think that narrative is just so, so crucial. Uh, Just in terms of, okay, like, here's what I have done. um, And here's, here are data points showing that I was successful at it. Here is why I want to go to business school and what I'm going to do at business school. And then using, you know, my past experience and the learnings from business school, here's what I'm going to do and why, you know, I think I'm going to be successful at it. Uh, That, that is just like such a big thing. And definitely the biggest thing I totally did not do uh, round one. Being able to like weave that storyline throughout your essays, through your interview, through your application, through everything is, it's tough. And really the easiest way to do it is to be able to know yourself and like know what you've already done and then know where you want to go and understand how the MBA at that particular program will get you from point A to point B. And it's, it's tough. It takes a lot of self-reflection, a lot of introspection, a lot of thinking about things and like, you know, tailoring words and everything. It's hard. But being able to create that narrative throughout your application for the admissions committee is like what it's what enables them when they're looking at a piece of paper of like understanding you as a complete person. Yeah. And it it allows them to see, okay, I, this, this guy is going to fit in great here. Or, you know what, maybe this just isn't the right fit. And, you know, for us and for, for him or her, this, this, we shouldn't go forward. And I think this is something that's more difficult for military applicants just because, you know, I think in the military, it's a lot, you, you don't really have to brand yourself. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm fit. I'm smart. Like, what more do you like? I can shoot if that's important for whatever. What more do you want? Like, what, what, what? Versus, you know, business school and I guess the civilian world in general, it's like, okay, cool. So what, what facets are you good at? Are you good at management? Are you good at marketing? Are you good at blah, blah, blah? Like prove it. What do you do in your free time? The military almost never cares what you do in your free time. Like almost never. Um, but in the civilian world, and especially for business school applications, like, that is huge. They want the whole person where the military is more just kind of like, are you a leader? Are you fit? You lead by example. Hell yeah. Now, you, you remind me of being a new lieutenant and I was, uh, I ran a lot in, in high school and in college and everything. And so my brand was being like the fast lieutenant and that was, but like that got me credibility just because, you know, being an infantry platoon leader in the 82nd, like that's what mattered. Right. And, yeah. but like, I can't go to a job interview and be like, well, well, let me tell you my two mile time. Cause it's uh, super impressive. Like no one's going to give a shit. Right. No, um, hearing that story is so obvious. I was like, oh yeah, you definitely have brag. Definitely brag. <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent. 100%. I remember showing up as a, a brand new lieutenant to my battalion and meeting my battalion commander and you hear about it and then you see it. And the very first thing that he did was tab check me. Very first thing was just like peek over to my left shoulder to see if I had a ranger tab. Very first thing, because like that immediately establishes your brand as a junior infantry officer in the 82nd. But it's just like, those kind of check the box things in some way. And kind of talking about like weaving that whole narrative through your application process and everything, a lot of people end up going to consultants, like admissions consultants. Did you ever consider that, think about it throughout the process? I did. I did. After that round one wake up call, I I very strongly considered it just because I was like, am I out of my league here? Do I, do I just need help? Is this just not right for me? You know, there's just that great unknown was very uh, off-putting, I guess. And so it's like, okay, maybe this is worth the investment uh, to do this. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I think 
there's there's so many resources out there that you don't need an admissions consultant. It, it's not necessary. Uh, between like like your blog, um, other military app, other people, veterans clubs, um, maybe military people you know, service to school, other organizations like that. I think between all of those things, if you want it, you can save yourself the I don't know the several thousand dollars that a, a admissions consultant costs um, and really get the same results. Yeah. So I'm, I'm planning on doing a blog post about this. You know, if you're thinking about doing this, here's kind of everything else you could do instead of doing that. So in full disclosure, I, I used a consultant. All right. I was one, I was deployed and I was had more money than I know what to do with really. I was, you know, getting the combat pay and hazard pay and per diem and like, I just, had so much money coming in and it was like, screw it. I'm flush with deployment cash. I'm just going to hire a consultant. The value I got out of it was nowhere near the amount of money that I paid them. All right. This was thousands of dollars. And what it all kind of like really came down to you, like quick down and dirty of, of things. Um, essays. Essays was the one place where I got a lot of value out of them because they would edit them. They would look over them and they, they really kind of helped rein in my, my voice and help me write good essays. Everything else about it, though, was just kind of a waste. You know, I got like one practice interview session with him and it was pretty bland feedback. I could have just done that with free through like American Corporate Partners or Veterati or the Veterans Clubs or Surf to School or like any of those places. And then like every other part of it, like they just it, – it wasn't worth it, bottom line. I'm not going to say no matter what, never do it, you know. If nothing else, it put me in a position where I was like kind of really stressing out about the whole process and it felt better to just do it. But that feeling only lasted for a couple of months. And then I was like, this isn't worth the money. That I, that initial peace of mind of, you know, I'm no longer missing out on something because I, I just paid this person, I think is a lot of where that value is. And I, I don't think that peace of mind, I think you can get that peace of mind for uh, free. And uh, also, maybe that azimuth check of, okay, like, here's my first draft of this essay. Uh, am I going in the right direction? And the guy's like, okay, no, uh, you should definitely talk less about yourself, talk more about the school or, or highlight this more, highlight this less. Uh, I get that. But I think if you if you look hard enough, you, you can get that from not an admissions consultant, especially coming from the military, just because the military community is very strong in a lot of respects yeah. like that where we just kind of look out for each other like i i've gotten tons of dms and messages of people you know who are lieutenants now or who are about to apply or whatever and i i respond to all of them um because i don't know it's just a way of paying it forward i when i think of all the veterans in the vet clubs that i talked to or the service to school guy i was connected with like they didn't have to spend their time doing it but they did. And so, you know, I kind of want to pay that forward. I think there's a lot of other people who want to pay it forward and can do the same thing. Uh, if very similar, if not the same thing admissions consultant can do, but for free. Absolutely. And the other thing I'll talk about with consultants is that, so if you look at their incentive structure, okay, the way they kind of promote their personal business is through yields, right? They want to be able to say, you know, 97% of my clients get into a business school, right? That doesn't necessarily mean, and you know, maybe they want to say a certain number, get into a top 10 school or, or whatever, but it's not necessarily within their interest to encourage you to apply to those kind of reach schools. You know, like when I first started, when I first started thinking about it, I was calling consultants to just do like their initial consultation with me. And I told them, you know, Hey, I'm interested in Dart. And knowing nothing else other than my GRE score and my GPA, they're like, yeah, you don't stand a chance. You're not going to get in there. That's it. Like, because they just want to encourage you to go to a lower ranking school to try and get you to get in. Now, maybe that's not every single consultant. You know, we only work together. We had a 20 minute phone call. Maybe it would have changed had, you know, they known more about me, whatever. I don't know. But that immediately off put me that they just wanted to like put limits on me like that. I didn't like that. Yeah, no, I think that's an obvious red flag. I'm sure there's there's ones out there who are like, "Hey, man, you probably won't get in, but let's let's go for it. Why not?" 
and I, you know, I don't, I, I'm probably coming off as like bashing uh, consultants or whatever, but I, I really don't mean to. I think, you know, they can provide significant value to some people and, you know, all that. Um, but I just think there's a better way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm with you, especially as a vet, there's a lot of other resources out there that can help you. So, it, you know, you took the GMAT kind of like way before actually applying and everything, but like what, what did your studying look like for that? Like how did, what was your process to, to study and prepare for the GMAT? Yeah. So really it was, I, I looked it up, you know, okay, how do you prepare for the GMAT? All this kind of stuff. And I came to the conclusion, I definitely needed some kind of prep course. So I actually went with Manhattan uh, online prep, did that. And it was, it was really helpful. And what I really remember was the huge thing for me was I was going to study every day, no matter what, every day. And it could be 30 minutes some days, uh, or it could be five hours on a weekend or something, but I was going to study every day. And I think that was crucial because as you know, the GMAT is just kind of a, a beast and you, you just kind of have to get in a certain mindset. And especially if, if there's some significant time between when you graduated school and when you're taking the GMAT, you just, you just have to warm your mind up to certain concepts again, like geometry and trigonometry and sentence structure and blah, blah, blah. So I think the big thing is just, I definitely do recommend getting some kind of a prep course. I think uh, also it's the consistency is, is key. Just, just rip the bandaid off, just do it, get it over with, move on with your life. I tried a couple of different courses actually. Uh, so the first one I, so I did, I took the GRE. And reason being is kind of a good distinction to talk about. Uh, one, I just knew that like the GRE was going to play to my strengths better. I'm not a math quant guy. And so the GMAT math kind of intimidated me. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I know I'll do better on the GRE. So I'm going to do that. So like that was my, how I decided on that. Additionally, something that I've, I've heard, this is kind of like a, I don't say a rumor, but it's not like, you know, confirmed by multiple people or anything like that. Business schools have to report, they report their GMAT scores to feed the rankings, okay? That's like a big factor in, in determining where they fall in the rankings, right? They don't report their GRE scores. Some schools are starting to do it and everything, but it doesn't necessarily play into the rankings. So a school can accept someone with like a lower GRE score because there's less worry that that's then going to negatively impact their rankings, I don't know how much that really plays out, but to me, it seems like a tiny bit of an advantage coupled with the fact that I was probably going to do better on the GRE anyway, and that's why I decided I'm doing the GRE. I mean, that sounds smart to me. <laughs> I wish I had done that kind of research ahead of time. But yeah, no, honestly, I think test scores are just kind of getting less important. I think I'm, you, saw, you, you probably saw a lot of schools were waiving their test scores for the round three or some of them, I think, even made round four mm -hmm. applications. Yeah. And a lot of that's due to coronavirus, and I get yeah. that. And they're worried everyone's going to defer, and I probably rightly so. Um, but I do think there's just kind of a trend uh, away from test scores. Like in society, and this might be getting too philosophical, but I think our society is getting a lot less, doesn't like the objective test measures as much anymore and, and prefers to go more, more subjective and, and, you know, kind of, Oh, you know, what's your story? What's that all about? Yeah. Uh, which I don't, I don't know if, which one's better or not. Uh, but I know that right now GMAT slash GRE is still important. And, and, and I don't think that's going to change for the top schools for, for a little bit, um, but maybe in the future, but I think your whole approach uh, was really smart the ultimate course that i i finally set it on that i loved was the princeton review online self-paced course and it was it had like the best videos that actually like instructed me on things i could kind of you know it's self-paced so i could do it um as i wanted it also it had a number of practice tests on there and the practice tests what i loved about them they were in like the exact same format it looked exactly like, like the real GRE. it also had some like analytics in there it would show me you know what skills i was weaker on what skills i was stronger on and so i could decide to work on my weaker skills knowing that you know stronger skills were okay and it like you know showed me all that in a really easy to use dashboard i loved it that ended up 
you know, I tried a couple of the services. None of them worked nearly as much. That one boosted my score like 10 points. So 10 out of 10 recommend it. And I'll put the, the link to that in the show notes. What about uh, essays? Like what ones did you, did you struggle with? Which like, what were your, what was kind of like your methodology for, for essays? I think for essays, the kind of the big key was once I figured out my narrative, honestly, essays were pretty easy. Yeah. But before that, they were damn near impossible. And especially once once I got the narrative down for, for one school, uh, it wasn't copy-paste. It definitely wasn't. Um, but it was a lot easier. The structure was there in terms of, okay, I'm going to talk about, you know, here's four or five, six stories from my background. I just, you know, depending on the question, I'll talk about one of these. Um, then I'll transition to, okay, now I'm going to talk about the school and why I'm applying and why I'm interested in what I'm going to get involved in. And obviously that was very different for each school. Um, and then I'm going to tie it together at the end with, okay, this is moving forward. This is what I'm going to use that experience to do. Uh, for round one, uh, the essays were pretty tough. <laughs> and there wasn't really much structure to it. It was more just kind of me talking about myself and not that much about the school. And then for round two, once, once I figured out the story and, and how I was branding myself and everything, and I, I had thought through a few stories and, you know, used the star method and everything. Um, it was actually pretty, pretty easy. Yeah. There's a, on my site where I write about doing MBA essays, one of the things that I recommend is that even if you don't plan on applying to Stanford, I 10 out of 10 recommend just thinking about their essay, which is, it's like a, a famous MBA essay. And the question is what matters most to you and why? And even if you don't actually write it out, I would just take that question, like write it down on a note card and carry it around with you for a couple of weeks and like, just think about it. It's a good place. That's a good question to just like let rattle around in your brain, because if you can answer that well, then every other essay at every other school will be probably pretty easy or easier than it would have been had you not thought about that. Definitely. I think that's great advice, actually. I think you, you build your brand around how you answer that question. And I, I don't, I think it's, you know, a little more nuanced than just, okay, if you can answer the question, you're going to be good. Because I, when I answered that question in my round one applications, I said what I said. Um, and round two, it was the same kind of thing, but how I worded it and and what I talked about was different. I think that made a key change. So, you know, I'll just, I think for my round one application, I said, uh, the most important thing for me was community. And I gave stories about kind of like growing up and then in the army and, and blah, 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 blah. And it's still in round two, a lot of the essays kind of revolved around that, but it was, it was less about, you know, why is community so important to me and more about here is examples of how I have built community or how I've benefited from community and then how I've gone on and, and now I am a community building leader and blah, 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 blah. And that, that was easy. Okay. And when I get to X school, I'm going to continue doing that by getting involved in blah, 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 blah. And then using that, my background and all these experiences and skills I'm going to learn at school, I'm going to go into X field and continue to, you know, build communities and build teams and be super successful. Uh, so I do think, you know, I think you could build your brand around how you answer that question. So I think it's, okay, what is most important to you and why? Figure that out. And that's not an easy question to answer if you really are answering it. But then, okay, now dig into your past and prove it. Okay, now dig into your future and how are you going to do that? You know, if you say the most important thing to you uh, is service to others. And then you say, and that's why I, I want to go into investment banking. That might not be a great sell. Maybe, maybe you could, maybe you could, you know, angle that. I don't know. I honestly don't know that much about investment banking. Um, but probably not going to make a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's so true. I mean, I'm thinking about how I answered that question myself and I probably did a pretty decent job of answering the like what I did in my past of why this thing is important to me. I don't think I did a good job of explaining then what I want to do in the future to, to leverage that. So that's why like, it's why, again, why I recommend it because it's a really tough thing to think about, but it's super important that you do. 
and the, the last kind of piece of the last little pro tip that I'll offer on essays is so it's easy to like go on a business school's website and see like the brochure cover of what their business school is and you know all these buzzwords and principles and, and qualities they're looking for and all that stuff. And it's kind of easy to like read over some of that and just be like, ah, oh, this is all kind of bullshit. I would highly recommend uh, I mean, talk to the veterans club for a whole number of reasons, but in your conversations with them, talk to them like, okay, when the, the Dean talks to the student body, what are, what are his priorities? What are their priorities? Like, what are the things they talk about? Because that's something that will then permeate through the rest of their culture. And if you can find a way to, you know, respond to those priorities within your essay, it'll help out big time. And like the case in point that I'll use is that, you know, when I was writing my, my Haas essays, so the, the Haas principles, I think they're what called, there's four of them and they're like super important to the school. Well, I didn't like really internalize that until I was talking to a guy at the veterans club and he was like, absolutely like write down those principles, sit them next to your computer and make sure you talk about them in your essays. There could have been a whole number of reasons here. I ended up getting into Haas, which take that for what you will, but I think that that helped. Um, and just if you can like message the tool directly through the words that they are using in their halls every day, then it's going to do nothing but good things for you. Just just like if you have a battalion commander who's super into long distance running, all of a sudden, oh wow, I didn't know you know Lieutenant blah blah was super into long distance running or Sergeant blah blah. blah. Um, and then you get a new one and this dude's super into CrossFit and all of a sudden everybody's just CrossFitting all over the place. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing with these schools. Like I think something that I, I've learned uh, just, I guess, in life so far <laughs> is um, how important the leadership is and how how much, just like what you said, how much their priorities really kind of permeate throughout an organization. Yeah. And also just how how much organizations are just people organizations are uh, corporations are a group of people governments are a group of people yeah. uh so the more you talk to people like weird concept nowadays especially <laughs> yeah. the more you talk to people um and just get a feel for things it's it it'll tell you volumes about that school about Big time. Just so many things. And uh, yeah, and, and in terms of business school, it'll help you out uh, with the application process and selecting the right place and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, that's a super important point in that people talk a lot about culture and fit at schools. And one of the easiest ways to try and figure that out is to just talk to people at those schools. And the more interactions you have, the better sense you're kind of going to get of what the culture is like. All right. So like a, a case in point that I'll offer is, um, you know, one, one of the, every single fucking business school talks about collaboration. Every one of them they're like, Oh, we're so collaborative. It's like, okay, well, how are you any more collaborative than anybody else? Whatever. They all use that. Right. But when I was applying to, when I applied to Haas, actually the way that I found out that I was going to get my interview was I get this email one day from the veterans club. They were like, Hey Mark, congratulations on your interview. Uh, we're super stoked for you. Like we're here to help you prepare and get ready for your Haas interview. And I was like, wait, what? Like I haven't received a notification from the school yet. And I actually thought that my application had been bumped to the next round because of a snafu with my, uh, my recommender. And so I was super confused. I was like, how do you all know about this before I do? And they messaged me back and were like, Oh yeah. Uh, sorry. We thought the school already told you. And then like 20 minutes later, I get an email from the school saying that they had, they were inviting me for an interview. And so if you kind of like peel back the layers of the onion there, you can see that, you know, one, like the admissions committee was directly tied in with the veterans club and keeping them up to date about the status of veteran applicants. So that was like a huge gold star for me. Um, additionally, the fact that like the club felt that immediate need to like reach out to me and, you know, support me and everything and it was a huge indicator to me of like the type of culture that's at that school. And I had some other interactions like that with other schools. And then I had some other interactions at some other schools that were not supportive to me like that. Um, and so like having, you have to force yourself and like develop those relationships in order to measure things like culture and fit, which are hard to figure out elsewise. 
I agree. I agree completely. I know for me, when I, to, I'll just start off by saying all the veterans clubs I reach out to were good and like, thank you. <laughs> thank you sincerely. And I, I'm excited to pay that forward. You know, when I, when I get to school, a big factor for why I chose Wharton over the other schools I got into was the Wharton veteran club was just phenomenal. Whereas, you know, there's one school where uh, I, I reached out to them and I think it just got lost or whatever. And, and they didn't reach out until like a month or two later. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, all the other schools got back immediately. But then the Wharton one was just kind of like next level um, in terms of, you know, all right, you want to talk to this guy. Um, here's how we can help you out with this, blah, blah, blah. And then after getting in, all the schools, veterans clubs reached out, which was very cool. Um, but then, you know, some were better than others. And, and like you said, that it just gave me a big read into, into the school, well, at least the veterans club, but probably, uh, probably into the school and, and just the general culture there. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to go to school and be just, just involved in the veterans club and, yeah, you know, just, you know, that whole thing. I'm, there's a reason I'm going to business school and getting out of active duty army, um, it's not to just be that veteran guy forever and, you know, have the hat and walk in parades or, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but that veteran community, it is, it's just, it, it's part of your identity from here on out, kind of whether you want it to be or not, it, it is. Um, so I think it's good to lean into that and have, you know, that strong kind of bedrock team that you're a part of, uh, while you also branch out and try new things and meet other people and, and you know, figure all that out. Yeah, it's absolutely – you for sure want to branch out outside of your military connections. But – and a, a theme that I've kind of routinely heard uh, in talking to other vets is like you just want to have that like core group that you can kind of like always go back to, you know. And sometimes like you might need a night of just hanging out with another another vet at school and like knocking back a few beers and then telling more stories and, and – like having fun like that and not necessarily trying to like network or like talk with someone else. You just kind of want that, that familiarity. Right. And every once in a while, like that's okay. And so it's good to have, have those connections. And that that's really awesome to hear um, about the experience you've had with Wharton. You know, I know I did a profile on Wharton a couple of weeks back and also got like a very similar vibe. They were just extremely, extremely helpful. And uh, I'm glad to hear that maintained throughout the application process as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, for the veterans clubs and everything, it's just a group you can relate to. And, you know, maybe it's the same for like consultants. Consultants can just relate to other consultants because they've all been consulting or like for bankers and other bankers because they've all been banking and whatever. It's just people who uh, have been through something similar to what you have and get those inside jokes that other people don't. And, you know, it's just a group where you can be more comfortable with and where right off of the bat, if you're talking to a vet, another veteran, you, there's at least, you at least get each other to some degree. Whereas, you know, you, you're talking to yeah. some random person uh, that's just not going to be the case. And I think also, you know, with the whole veteran thing, since you know each other better, you have common experiences. It's a lot easier to just relax and just be yourself. And who wants to be on all the time and yeah. trying to make good impressions and, all that like yeah like okay it's important don't get me wrong and for business school it's it's big in the business world it's key but uh, who doesn't want to just have a couple beers say things that maybe you shouldn't say uh with people who you know are going to be cool with it yeah absolutely absolutely uh so a little bit of a sidetrack but did you uh do you go any school visits during your process uh, no. So I was deployed for my round one applications. And then for round two, the only school visits I went on were when I did the interviews. And actually, uh, Northwestern, they do it weird where they have alumni everywhere. So they, they interview everybody. Uh-huh. Uh, so I just met up with somebody in Charlotte. So I actually, I never went to Northwestern's campus. Uh, for Wharton, I went up there and saw it, which was, which is great. Um, and then for, MIT, that's when Corona started happening. So it did it virtual. Uh, So I actually, no, I, and that's something I kind of wish I had done. And 
it, it was mostly just a timing thing that it, it didn't really work out for me. Yeah. The, the common advice everyone gives is, oh, you have to go visit the school, right? And typically what I hear when people talk about visiting, like why you should visit a school is they're like, okay, I was at school, you know, I'm at XYZ school and, you know, I came here on my visit and I absolutely just loved it. And mm-hmm. what that sounds like to me is like, okay, you showed up, you were there for 24 hours. You kind of saw like the walking tour bro- brochure version of the school. Like, of course you loved it. You know, like I went to, <laughs> I went to one or two uh, military veteran MBA events and like, you know, they give you, they like bring out the Dean and like they give you a free lunch and they're all like, Oh my God, we want vets to come here and all this stuff. So of course you can't walk away, but just feeling that like, Oh my gosh, this is so great. Especially after you're coming from like working in some, you know, shitty rundown office on Fort Bragg or Kuwait somewhere. And you're like, Oh my God, this campus is beautiful. And like all this stuff. My, my recommendation is like visit schools, but go into it with a lot of questions and like a healthy dose of skepticism and cynicism, which shouldn't be a problem for most vets, but don't be afraid to like ask hard questions and like peel back the onion on things. And I also highly, highly recommend, and this doesn't have have to happen just when, you know, you're on campus, but talk, make a point to talk to civilian students at the school as well. So like the veterans club is super helpful for your application process, but what I typically found is like, I'd ask a vet, okay, like, what do you think about your school? And they'd be like, oh my God, it's great. It's beautiful. You know, there's all these wonderful things, all this stuff. And sometimes I would talk to civilians and they'd be like, yeah, it's great. But, and because they might have like some different perspective on things, like we might just not care about um, as a vet. And I think sometimes when you're like arriving at business school from the military, you can like get blinded by the lights a little bit and be like wowed by the razzle and dazzle. Whereas you know, someone who is an investment banker, Goldman Sachs, and was used to, you know, sitting in on deals with millions of dollars or something may not be as wowed by the glamour as much as we might be coming from, you know, a cop in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. I think civilians are much better at being a particular, yeah. which in a lot of circumstances is, is a, it's good. It's a, it's an advantage. <laughs> and veterans are more like, more used to like, all right, well, we're going to be staying in this shitty place for the next nine months and you're like well this is life now no point in you know bitching about it because uh this is reality (laughs) whereas you know i think about a lot of my civilian friends if it was like hey you're gonna be going to you know iraq for nine months and here's your accommodations they'd be like hell no are you kidding me like no i'm talking to my congressman like you know (laughs) so i think yeah in terms of getting a no bs view on a school maybe talking to a talking to civilian and a veteran is maybe the better way to go I can't really talk about it because I, like I said, I didn't really do the school visit thing, but I can totally see what you're saying in terms of you go to the school, you get the tour or whatever. It's like you're in the honeymoon phase of like yeah. a new relationship. You're like, Oh, yeah. everything is great. This is awesome. Uh, and you just, you don't see the obvious flaws that uh, might be there. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm a big believer in going with your gut. And I think maybe if you go to the school, you can get a, a decent gut feeling. Um, but I, to get the real gut feeling and not just the, the honeymoon gut feeling, I think you gotta, like you said, just go there for a little longer, maybe not do the tour, maybe, you know, talk to real people, all that kind of stuff. I went, I went on a few visits and go with questions ready. Um, preferably go with a few people already lined up that you want to talk to as well. And then just knowing that a few of those, they're probably going to recommend, you know, after you talk to them, like, oh, hey, you should talk to my classmate as he's walking by real quick and everything. And I got a lot of value out of those conversations when I went to go visit a few schools. That being said, you know, a, a lot of schools have specific, you know, military recruiting days for you to come and visit their school. And they, you know, gear it, you know, the Vets Club usually hosts it. They'll probably talk about financing as a veteran and everything like that. Um, and it's, it's a useful place and you'll be there with a bunch of people in a similar boat as you who are probably facing the same admissions challenges that you are as a vet. So there's absolute value in this. Okay. But I think the last thing we'll, we'll talk about is, uh, is interviews. How did you feel about the interview process and like, what did you do to prepare for it? 
the interview process, it, it was so unique for the three schools I interviewed at. For Northwestern, like I said, it was an alumni, it was off campus, it was really just kind of like, walk me through your resume, uh, what do you want to do at school, stuff like that. And then the second one I did was Wharton, which was, you know, on campus, very unique with the the team-based discussion where it's really not about what you're saying, it's more about kind of like how you're treating the people in in the discussion and, uh, you know, are you synthesizing and moving the group forward or are you just trying to be the you know, have the biggest dig at the table and have all the good ideas. Um, and then MIT's was very just like, honestly, random. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think really the strategy, so to speak. So for for like Wharton's, I do think there there's a lot of uh, just kind of intricacies there that are very unique um, that, you know, it is worth preparing for just how you're going to handle yourself and, you know, ways that, you're going to just having little tips and tricks for how to kind of get the group to come to an agreement on one piece of this giant puzzle that they're trying to get you to put together in 20 minutes um, and move forward while keeping everybody involved and not being a bully. Um, but for the other ones, I think it's more about like, how well do you know your narrative? How well do you know your story? And just having a few examples in your mind of uh, quick stories you can draw upon from your past and put in the star method um, and quickly and concisely, you know, lay out the situation, say what you did and say what it resulted in. And I think if you can do that, you're, you're, you're going to be golden. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. Can you say what the star method is for anyone listening who uh, doesn't know? Yeah. Yeah. So star method, uh, well, you make me look like an idiot here, but, uh, so one is situation. So you kind of want to paint the picture for somebody who's reading your essay or listening to your story or whatever. Um, T, do you remember what T is? I'm trying to remember too, man. Give me a second. I'm going to look it up real quick. Okay. Yeah. I, I think T is not that important anyway. So screw T. Well, um, a, so I've seen SAR and I've seen STAR. It's like situation which like, what's the broader context of what's happening? Your, your task of like, what was assigned to you? your action okay yeah did, and then the result being like you know what results came of that exactly yeah so i guess honestly i think star is probably more realistic there because i don't think you're gonna explain a situation and then go into what you did without saying you know what you were what yeah. why why you did yeah. but yeah no action is definitely key in terms of okay here's what i did and this was a big thing for business schools and i think something veterans struggle with is business schools want to know what you did they don't really care what the team did like you're applying to business school the team's not applying to business school uh so saying you know what you did and how you uh move things forward and uh you know came up with the solution or led the team or whatever um and then the result is you like the result should be like very quick like sentence or two of and you know this is what came of it and especially, uh, this is hard too, I think sometimes, is coming up with some kind of a tying an objective figure to it. So some kind of number of, you know, we reduced response times by 50% or we, you know, whatever it is. Um, the STAR method or SAR method, whatever the hell you want to call it, it's huge, big thing. And I think beyond business, well, that's, that's good for anything. So for before any interview, I would highly recommend, before any MBA interview, uh, it's probably one of the few times that I'll like plug another MBA blog, but at clearadmit.com, they have a huge depository of questions that people have, have been asked during school specific interviews. Like you can go on there and say, okay, I have an interview off campus with an alumni while I'm applying to Michigan Ross. And it'll give you like a situation from a previous candidate who was in that. And then like what they got asked. And they were extremely, extremely useful. Um, I use those for all my interviews and it, it definitely helped because, you know, the, the school's going to have certain things they're going to want to ask every time to provide some level of standardization across the interview process. And so you can pick up on what those are. That's a good place, good resource to go to, to, to research and figure out what those questions are going to be. I did the same thing for uh, the Northwestern one. Yeah. It really wasn't that helpful for the other two. For Warren, it was like, kind of helpful, actually. But, um, yeah, for the Northwestern one, it was like, okay, you know, here's what here's what they did. They went through this, and then they asked this, this, this. 
and that it is it, it was exactly what happened in my interview like to the t yeah yeah and like a, a very good case in point of how that played out for me most interviews when they ask you to like tell me about yourself they're looking for like you know a 90 second to two minute response that's it and for the darden interview when they say tell me about yourself they want like a 20 minute answer two thirds of my interview was just me answering that question. And like, that's how they want it done. I told them like, you know, my entire life story pretty much. Right. But if I hadn't done the research beforehand, I wouldn't have known that like, that's what they wanted. Yeah. I would not have guessed any business school wanted that. Cause you know, that's kind of the approach I went with, with round one is like, these schools are going to care when, you know, it, they, I mean, they don't not care, but it's much more concise. They have thousands of, applications to go through yeah. that's yeah that, that's i would never have guessed that any school wanted to a, a 20 minute explanation that's uh it's wow that's yeah, awesome it's different i don't know w- once i get to campus and figure out i'll uh i'll let y'all know why that's the approach they take but uh the other thing a really helpful technique that i that i heard about when i was applying is so pretty much you know all the questions they're going to ask you, you want to answer through stories, right? Human beings love stories. We love to hear stories. They're going to ask you questions of like, tell me about a, you know, a challenge you faced at work and how you dealt with it, or tell me about a, you know, a time you led a team or something like that. And they're looking for a story, right? You can probably have like three to five stories sitting in your pocket, ready to go. That you can then extrapolate answers to any of those questions based off of those stories. Right. So like I could have a story about a range that I led. And from that, I might be able to answer 10 different questions. That doesn't mean that each one of those questions any different story because it's all based off of the same story. I'm just taking the, you know, teasing out the particulars for that question from that story. Narrowing down like three to five good stories from your military experience is extremely useful in, in managing like brain space during the interview. A hundred percent. The, uh, the story piece is huge because you want to be memorable. And if you just, if you just, if you just answer the question, uh, which again, another thing I think veterans typically do is, you know, we're very direct. And it's like, are you good at leading teams? Yes. Next question. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And versus, you know, I, I do think I am. This reminds me of this one time where blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you want to be memorable. You want to tell a story. You want to be so good at branding yourself that when you walk away from that interview, with the next day, that interviewer is like, "Oh yeah, I talked to Brendan. He was the uh, the blah 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 guy." Uh, if you can do that, you're gonna you're gonna crush interviews. Absolutely, you're gonna murder the interviews, and you're gonna be good to go. But you know, on the flip side, if you if you can't do that, you're you're not gonna be memorable, and the you know, 20 other people that interviewer interviewed that the other that day are going to uh, be more at the forefront of their mind than than you are. The interview is a place where you're probably not going to, unless you like totally bomb it, it's probably not going to like really hurt you. But and it can be a place where like really helps you, like once they get that in-person connection. And so like if you can go in there and have like a really good conversation with that person, because uh, that's an important aspect too, is like this they're going to ask you a bunch of questions, but like you also want to have questions ready. That's something I think in particular vets, we, we don't think of the interview as a two way conversation, but that's what interviews are. Like they're definitely looking to try and bring you on, but you're also looking to see like, okay, is this place going to be a good fit for me or not? And that dynamic's a little bit different in business school interviews, but in general, like that's a good rule of thumb to take into any interview process. That that was a big learning uh, for me, especially. And actually, what you just said reminded me of uh, when I was at UPenn and um, like getting ready for the interview process. I met up and got lunch with the guy that the Veterans Club had connected me to. Awesome, awesome dude. And he basically said, like, I don't know this to be true or not. You know, I'm not an admissions guy or whatever, but I'm pretty sure the interview is just a you know, they want to see you. They want to make sure you're not like a weirdo that you're going to be a cultural fit. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's kind of a check the block, like yes or no. And it'll be a way to weed out some people. And then from there, if you, one, if you can get an interview, you can probably get into the school. Like you're worthy of getting into the school. Yeah. If you pass the interview and don't, you know, aren't, aren't seen as, you know, a bully or just not a cultural fit, 
then you know you you're probably right for the school uh, and then it just becomes a numbers game of okay like how many consultants yeah. passed all of these these tests this year how many bankers how many military how many blah 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 you know on one hand you should definitely put effort into the interview and it, it is important but it isn't the end-all be-all and i think uh you shouldn't super stress about it you know what i mean but but if you can do something uh, extraordinary and really leave an impression on that interviewer, I do think, and I have heard kind of stories of where, you know, people who were kind of fringe um, got in. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, so this kind of like wraps up the the points I think we were going to talk about today. Before before we, you know, totally end this, is there anything else that you want to say, you know, last thoughts, parting words of wisdom about the MBA application process that we haven't already talked about today? Really, I think for the process, Use it for you in terms of it is a great opportunity to just self-reflect, figure out who you are, who you want to be, all that stuff, uh, which is going to help you in every facet of your life. So, yeah, you got to do a lot of kind of BS um, to prove to schools that you're worthy. But just like you just said, Mark, um, also take it as an opportunity to, to do things for you and to start asking those questions, you know, in your head, at least about. Uh, you know, like, why is this school right for me? Why is this career right for me? Why is all that? Um, so I think it's a great opportunity to just take a pause in your life, not worry about the the op tempo or the deployment or the whatever that's going on, um, and just just do something for you. It can be a very long and cumbersome process. Um, you know, funny enough, one of my my best friends from college, he ended up going to Tuck, and he decided like two weeks before their application deadline that he wanted to go get an MBA. And he's just a super smart dude and just like signed up and took the GMAT in two days and then just like threw together an application and got into Tuck. It was like, yeah, it's pretty much all I thought about. That, <laughs> yeah, I'm super jealous of that. Uh, but at this in time, like I'm glad I went through the like little more rockier road because I just, I learned a lot about myself through the process. And those are learnings. I think yeah. I did too. And it's learnings that are, Helping me in every every part of my life, not just with the whole, even not just with the professional side. Yeah, big time, man. Our boss will uh, that kind of wraps it up for the day. Thanks for talking about this. And so, uh, you know, I'll put all the links to your social media and mine on the page. But if you're listening to Brendan from the Life of Brendan YouTube channel, and same name for the uh, his Instagram page. Appreciate the plugs. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Take care, man. I hope you have a good rest of your day, man. You too.